Proverbs 13, 12. Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Ponder this. Uh, hope is the anchor for our souls. We are to be actually centered on hope because these three abide. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Faith, hope, and love. We know the greatest is love. God is love. But he's also the God of hope. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope, see how important this, this truth is. God is in, in this context called the God of hope. Now, we, we fix our hope on the living God, and he's the God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Believing is not delusional. It's not make-believe. It's belief. Its basis is on the promises of the word of God, and God's word is reliable, okay? So we are not in some sort of uh, religious mythology that we're using as coping skills just to try to uh, have some superstitions to answer the mysteries of the, of the universe. We, we have realized and recognized by God's revelation, God's revealed himself to us. He's gotten a hold of our lives. The Holy Spirit has convicted the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Something has prompted you and me. Someone has prompted you and me. No one comes to him unless the Father draws him. The drawing power, the convicting power, the conclusive evidence of God has come to bear on our lives. And he's the God of hope. We know hope deferred makes the heart sick. There are people who have lived and languished in depression. There are people who have lived on the top of the heap and yet they've gotten up on the rungs of the ladder of life and got up there and felt it was just as barren and empty as it was on the bottom. But there's a, a Blaise Pascal, the French physicist from a few hundred years ago said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that can only be filled by Jesus Christ. It cannot be filled by any created thing. It can only be filled by Jesus Christ. We've got that TV spot that we manufactured where it shows a jigsaw puzzle and there, there's a piece that comes flying in and there's, there, it has Jesus' name on it and it goes in there, boom, and it fits. Jesus is the fullness that fills all in all. And Romans chapter 15 Verse 13 declares it. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Look at this. Why? So that you may abound in hope. Look at the next part of this. So that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, this is what's going to facilitate this attitude, this, this adjustment. That whether you're a glass half full or a glass half empty personality really makes no difference here. Just, David said, my cup runneth over. It transcends our personality types and what our biases are. We all have personalities. We all have the, the effect of nurture and nature. We all have DNA. We all have experiences in life. We've all been encouraged by some, belittled by others, and all that kind of stuff. Whatever the balances and checks and balances are, you know, when you come into the presence of the Lord, he says, I'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And David says, my cup runs over. Your grace is sufficient. Hope deferred, we realize, makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Hey, I go to the church where for many, many years we were hopeful to acquire the property adjoining our, our little parcel. We started out with this building and we bought another building and another building. And this has been an interesting journey. But last year we got over 10 acres over here and 1.1 acre over here. Or about, I guess it came to about 10 or 11 acres. 
and to God be the glory. So I can derive as an individual, hey, God's doing interesting things for my church family. He's going to do great things for my personal family, your personal family. So this is my joy that there's joy and peace in believing. Take a big, deep breath and say hallelujah. There is joy and peace in believing. And I want you to understand, too, and I pray that you would have a revelation of the hope of his calling. What is the hope of his calling? He's called you to something. God has a healthy prospect about the end of the age. He knows what's up. He knows the hour and the day when Jesus is going to be coming back in glory. And we lift up our eyes and we see that our redemption draws nigh. So, hallelujah. I just think it's interesting. I'll share a story that illustrates this point to you about hope. Here's an item from a Nashville newspaper. Uh, It was datelined in Memphis on, on UPI. A woman named Hope pulled a man from a chilly harbor the chilly harbor waters after watching him drive his car off the bank in an apparent suicide attempt. Hope Phillips, 38 years old, said Monday she was sitting in her car with her husband and son on a Sunday afternoon when she saw the man drive down Riverside Drive into Wolf River Harbor. Phillips said she saw the man climb on top of the sinking car. His face was like, I'm so desperate, please help me. All I could do was run into the water, she said. Phillips said she swam toward the man who was about 25 feet off the bank and used a tree branch to pull him toward the bank. Her husband helped drag him out of the water. The man said he was a student at the University of Tennessee. She said, he kept telling us he wasn't worth anything. I said, you are worth something. You're here, aren't you? Then he asked my name. I said, Hope. And he said, what's your name? He repeated it twice. He had a smile on his face. You knew he didn't want to die. The police took the man to the regional medical center. He got saved by hope. I want you to look at Romans 15, verse 13 again, and I want you to kind of meditate on aspects of it because I want to show you the why of why I'm teaching on hope. I am, yes, I am unashamedly endeavoring to cheer you and encourage you. That's my calling. I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm not, however, trying to hype or stimulate, uh, hyper-stimulate you. I'm not into, interested in any of that. This is biblically based, and I'm going to do my best to show you from scripture after scripture what I'm talking about here. But look, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, look, and here's why, so that you, you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope Phillips got used by the Lord to save a young man's life and to encourage him and get him off of the depression and out of the ditch. And uh, I'm convinced that that illustration shows us that God uses ordinary people to do some extraordinary things. And so I want to just talk to you about a number of verses. And if you've ever been in this church, you're going to go away with maybe 30 or 40 scriptures, okay? So you put your seatbelt on. Check your driver's side and passenger airbag because we're going for, a, we're going for a, a, a tour of this subject of hope. Hope is a confident expectation of an impending good. Hope is an expectation that God has a plan 
Romans chapter 4, verse 18, it enabled Abraham and Sarah to birth Isaac at an advanced age. Sarah received the ability to conceive past the proper time. So for those of us who feel out of time and feel like we're out of sync and we shoulda, coulda, woulda, let's just put that aside. Romans 4.18 says, And hope against hope, he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations. Now I meditated on this and I looked at it and I thought, he believed so that he might become. Our beliefs fuel our destiny. What we believe is important. That's why we got to make sure it has merit, that its, its basis is biblical. That's why we're to study to see if these things are so. We're to search the scriptures ourselves. Study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, handling accurately, rightly dividing the word of God. And the one-two punch in life is prayer and the word. So be really prayerful, but also be uh, mindful of the scriptures. Spend a lot of time in the word, spend more time in the prayer, and it'll build you up. If you read your Bible and pray every day, you will grow, grow, grow. If you ignore your Bible and ignore their prayer, you will shrink, shrink, shrink. Which one you want? Growth. This is a year of, of knowing, growing, showing, and going. This is what God put in my heart at a moment of prayer the other day. It just sparked something in me. Last year was a year of strengthening, fulfillment, achievement, prosperity, and abundance, and we still are continuing in that. These things are eternally, abidingly true. This year is a year of breakthrough, of knowing, growing, showing, and going. You're going to see some fascinating things transpire in the next 18 months or so, wonderful things. In hope against hope, Abraham believed in order that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. Amen. Hallelujah. Abraham believed. Romans 4, you ought to read it. It's beautiful. What did Abraham find? It goes in just detail about how Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him as righteousness. And there's something just mountain moving about this. This is so powerful. Romans 8, verse 24. Here's another one about hope. It's, it has a saving element in our lives. Romans 8, 24 says, For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is really not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? See, we're called to uh, set our gaze on the unseen realm and base our lives on unseen realities. It's trippy if you really think about it. You think about our calling in life. It's not for the faint of heart. This thing is a, that's why it's, it's called a fight of faith. And, you know, and I, I know people that are highly logical. I know people that you know, look for empirical evidence and those types of things and have like magnificent levels of development of that. And we're not you know, in this walk of faith. We don't throw that away because we need to be thinkers. And you know, God, God wants us to be mindful and be, you know, we, none of this is dumbed down. But it's not based on what we feel, see, hear, taste, or smell, or so forth. It's based on the faith that we have, the confidence that is produced by God's undergirding, magnificent, awesome, rock of ages word. So when Abraham was called by God, he responded by saying yes. And even though there was, you know, hopelessness concerning natural, you know, in the New American Standard, it says he considered his own body as good as dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not grow weak in faith. He grew strong in faith and he gave glory to God. So I like it that he wasn't in denial. You know, he took a look at the natural element and thought, man, 
This is what it is. Paul looked at the Roman Empire and he thought, it is what it is. It's an empire that's tried to advance all over the world. It's been domineering for like two or 3,000 years. It's been intense. It's idolatrous. It's funky. It has bizarre values and distorted morals. And yet he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach this culture of people because I'm called to reach the Gentiles. Abraham and Sarah, they're like, hey, we're supposed to be the father and mother of many nations. That's why Sarah laughed. And Isaac's name means to laugh. But this is what I want you to bring to the table here. There's a saving element. There's a blessing to what God's called us to take hold of. And in fact, Romans 15.4 shows us that the scripture is the source and the fountain of hope. When you drink from the history of the scriptures and you see how God did extraordinary things in the lives of people, whatever was written in the earlier times was written for our instruction so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, look, we might have hope. Faith is the substance of things we hope for. So hope is a very important dynamic. We need to be, if any group of people on earth should be optimistic, it ought to be the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ because he's risen from the dead, he defied death, he fulfilled all the prophecies that conformed to the Messiah that was prophesied by the Hebrew, the Hebrew prophets. He fulfilled all of them. You can't manufacture that. The odds are too uh, lopsided to suggest anything else. Jesus is Lord. So then that gives you an embedded assurance. Hey, if, since God raised Jesus from the dead, I too can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everybody say faith, hope, and love. Believers, listen, we're called to treasure up and store up Jesus in our hearts. 1 Peter 3.15, I love this verse because you, you need to always have an answer for what makes you tick, why you have that twinkle in your eye, why you show up early at work, why you don't complain when everybody else is murmuring. And here's what it says, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Like make him your priority, make him singular, make him central, focus on him, lift him up, make him above everything else. Sanctify and set Jesus apart as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. See, we fix our hope on the living God, and then we carry this bias. You know, listen, this is what we carry into crisis. This is what we carry into every situation that we face. You know, that, hey, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Everybody say, I'm hopeful. And we're to give an account for the hope that is in us. This is something that God has deposited, even in the most depressed person in here right now. I'm stirring it up. If life has got you down and uh, things have gotten your mood and affected you and your outlook has been bleak for a while, man, I understand that. I, I can relate and I pray you get a breakthrough on it starting tonight. I pray you get busted over into hopefulness so that you can give an account for the hope that is in you, but not obnoxiously, with gentleness and reverence. I want, I want us all to share about our hope effectively in a non-threatening way. I believe God will help us to be a good witness through these upcoming days, but I think we're supposed to live in such a way that people say, why, what makes you tick? One time Patsy and I were at a counter at a... Uh, department store, and Patsy was interested in this new fragrance. It had just come on the market. I, we both, you know, 
since I have, I'm the recipient of it, I was checking it out too, and I thought it was cool. And the person that was selling it, one thing led to another, and she said, you know, what? I don't know what it is about you guys. You remind me of my sister. And we said, well, and so one thing led to another. We found out her, Christ, her sister was a, a committed Christian. So she then, in that moment, that was just sort of buying some fragrance for Patsy, it turned into her asking us to give an account for the hope that's in us. What makes you tick? 1 John 3, 1, I love this. It says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we would be called the children of God. And such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Look at verse 2. It says, beloved, now we are the children of God and it, is, it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Wow. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself as he is pure. So there's a purification. It inspires clean living when we fix our hope on the Lord and we set our affections on him. We just so much don't want to short circuit the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't want to sabotage the outcomes of what he's, he's endeavoring to build in and through us. And we fix our hope on him and it purifies us. We have our, a hope for his second coming. I'm appreciative of his first coming and I'm enthusiastic about his second coming. Things are lining up. Let me just tell you my end time theology. We're closer to Jesus' second coming than ever before. I don't know the hour of the day, but I'm telling you, it's closer than it's ever been. That is absolute fact. And we fix our hope on the living God. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 14, 32. It cheers us. Hope, the eternal hope. It cheers us when we're with people as they're, at their passing. The wicked is thrust down by his wrongdoing, but the righteous has a refuge when he or she dies. He's our refuge. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that is a wonderful, that is in fact the wonderful truth in this whole crazy thing of the brevity of life and the inevitability of dying. This takes and conquers the morbidity of it because we know when people are absent from the body, they're present with the Lord and they're eternal and hallelujah for that. In fact, Acts chapter 24, verse 15 about having hope in God, Acts chapter 24, verse 15, having hope in God, having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So the dead in Christ will rise first. There's going to be an ingathering and amazing stuff is going to take place. I probably need to do some teaching on the end times because it's kind of been ignored we probably need to get back on top of that because we are, in fact, sons and daughters of the end times. And uh, things have happened even in our lifetime that line up biblically, and we're about to see more things fulfilled. Yeah. Things Daniel didn't get to see, we're going to get to see some things that it just have been for another generation, and we're going to see the consummation of fulfillment of these things. Yeah. Having a hope in God, we have a certainty of resurrection. Colossians 1.5. Colossians 1.5 is another kind of reinforcement of this it says because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth the gospel listen the lion's share of the best that we're going to ever have in existence is in heaven 
But I'm going to tell you, I would have despaired unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So we, and I've heard it said, you know, we're going to be in the sweet by and by, but we're in the difficult here and now. And that's why it's imperative that we embrace this and become uh, understanding of, of this whole life approach of, of hopefulness. And maybe make some adjustments at the year, at year beginning and just forget the things that lie behind where we've grown a little cynical or we've managed our expectations or we've been discouraged. Look, I started out with Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Any sickness a man can bear, but a broken spirit, who could bear? The good news is God is near the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. This is good stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We have this hope laid up for us in heaven. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Hope, keep your hope alive about Jesus coming back. In Peter, it says that there'll be people that'll scoff and say, where are the, where are the indications of his coming? I don't want to be in that scoffing element at all. I don't want to be lopsided where I'm uh, so preoccupied with the end times that I'm not being responsible in my daily life. So the, for me, the balance is, let's live like he's going to come as a thief in the night this afternoon in terms of holiness and staying on track and being repentant. But in terms of planning and building and strategy, let's live as if he might not come back for 100 years. Does that make sense to you? I don't think that's contradictory. I think what that means is, Let's just find our hand and whatever our hand finds to do it and do it with all our might. And let's not be found uh, um, negligent. But let's not neglect the fact that it says in Titus 2.13 that we're to look for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Listen, man, wars, rumors of wars, famine, pestilence. Hal Lindsey wrote a book, The Late Great Planet Earth. Uh, he wrote another book, The Devil is Alive and Well and on Planet Earth and that kind of thing. And it stimulated a young generation where C.S. Lewis said the best thing the devil could do to dumb down society is persuade them that he doesn't exist. Yeah. And that get everybody so sophisticated that they don't believe there's a devil and evil and that kind of thing. And I think the devil has tried to do that. Well, we don't want to be preoccupied with demons. And, and our primary call is to be a worshiper of God, not a rebuker of devils. But, but we aren't ignorant of the devil's devices either, okay? And I know one of the things the devil does is he comes to steal our joy, because that's our strength. He comes to try to dampen our hopes so we manage our expectations. And, we are, and then if faith is the substance of things hoped for, think about this. We start backing off and retreating in the area of our uh, exuberance of prayer and faith. And then so then it's like, good, I've got them manage, managing it to try to hinder a generation, to try to hinder us as individuals. Now, let's get back to Romans chapter 15, verse 13, because this is, to me, very key verse, okay? I want you to get a hold of this, because this is, this is good for the goose, it's good for the gander, it's good for parenting. I had a lot of hopes for my kids when they were first born, and I maintain my hopes for my kids as adults. I had hopes for the beginning and inception of this church, and I have, it's even more heightened, it's even more specific, it's even bigger, it's even broader than it's ever been. I am believing God because God is infinitely greater than we can even imagine. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. Eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered the heart of man, the things God's prepared for those who love him. The lion's share of which is on the other side. Somebody asked me, what's heaven gonna be like? Better than this. 
But let me explain. I'm not being mean. I think the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And I think it's beautiful. Mountaintops, deep oceans, all the animal kingdom, blue skies, clouds, the phases of the moon, the deserts, the valleys, the, I mean, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. They're creatures out in the deep ocean. Every time they send out those vessels and those submarines to go check stuff out, they always come back with two or three uh, new species. They were even in the Congo and they found a new primate a couple of years ago. So there's stuff out there that's just trippy. There's stuff so deep in the ocean that humanity has never seen that God just gets pleasure in. The vivid blues and reds and they have like things hanging off their heads and they're fluorescent. God's just like, this is just for me. Right? Hebrews 6, 18 and 19. Is, is, I'll let this embed in your system about hope getting deep down into your soul, deep down in your thought life. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have taken refuge, we who have taken refuge have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. See, we are being strongly encouraged to take hold of the hope that's before us. And listen, I realize the devil will belittle you, the accuser will accuse you, the news information is at an apex of doing a beautiful job of sharing bad news. I know that the disappointments and the fragmentation that they produce, the failings of our own lives, it's like, man, it's insecurity producing. However, we are instructed in the scriptures to fix our hope on the living God. Say this with me. I fix my hope on the living God. And it says here in Hebrews, the sixth chapter and the 19th verse, it says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Now, what's an anchor? In boating terms, it's that metal thing that grabs the boulders on the bottom of the ocean attached to a rope and a chain or a rope or a chain up to the boat, and it can hold a vessel in a storm. And we live in a world where the winds blow, the waves crash, the issues come. In fact, I pray blessing on marriages right now. Any storms in marriages, I pray that this anchoring will help you to get through this battle, through the indifference, through the hurts, and get you back into uh, not, not just a coping and not just a, a good back in the game, but actually where your relationship becomes a tribute to the grace of God and people see it and they want to know why you have that hope in you. I pray healing on your life if you need it. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. In other words, it's not baloney and it's not false, right? Abraham didn't go, guess what? I'm gonna be a father of mother of many nations. No, it's like God, because he, God had said to him, you're gonna be a father of many nations. Joshua and Caleb didn't go, we're gonna get in the promised land just because we want to, because we're excited. No, it's like you remember the word the Lord spoke to us through Mo Moses at Kadesh Barnea, that we would go into a land flowing with milk and honey. That's why we've gotta do our diligence to study and look at this thing, get this in our spirit, make sure we're, interpreting scripture with scripture. Make sure that we're walking in the light of redemption. This will help you with the Old Testament to look at everything through the New Testament, particularly with what Jesus accomplished on the cross. It'll help you to understand so much. 
you base your life on the reality of redemption, walk in the light of redemption, meaning Jesus has paid the penalty and the price for sin. It's not deserved. It's not earned. It's a gift. And that's why we lay up and sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts so we can always give an account when anybody asks us why, why we have hope in us. I've had so many conversations with people. I didn't have to force the discussion. I didn't have to preach at them. It just organically flowed into the direction of Jesus. One time I got upgraded and another guy got upgraded in an air flight and they gave free liquor and I stopped drinking before I was 21. I had already had enough and I was done. So I turned, I declined and I had, you know, I had a, I had a water with no ice, you know, but this guy was drinking some free drinks, you know, and he just kept, you know, so he had two or three of them. He wasn't sloshy drunk, but he was, he had liquid courage. So he, he and I were having this conversation and, and the discussion started moving toward Jesus. You know what the guy said when we landed? Thank you for not just talking small talk. We, and, and we had this amazing, and because, you know, he was a little liquored up, he was real loud. <laughs> We're talking about Jesus and how he loves us and he died for our sins. And he was talking like, I was like, well, I just, and people got real quiet. <laughs> but he said, thank you for not talking small, small talk. How's the, what do you think about the weather? Hey, how about those cardinals? Hey, where'd you go to high school? What kind of pizza do you like? Square beyond compare. You know, you could go so long with that stuff. But you sanctify Jesus in your heart so you can always give an account for the hope that's in you when they ask you. So this implies then that we should lead a, such an interesting and engaging life that people might want to know What's going on in your life? I was on a hospital visit at Barnes Hospital. And I was in the elevator. A bunch of doctors. Everybody's real stern and stoic. And uh, I felt like I was supposed to share. So I said, hey, you guys, remember Jesus loves you? And they went. And uh, so they all spilled out on the next floor. I think they didn't need to get out. And they, they used the steps. Like on the 70th floor and walked the rest of the way. But so this lady was in the, in the elevator. I cleared out the elevator. And the lady said, the Lord's blessed you today, hasn't he? And I thought, well, yeah, yeah, but not anything extraordinary. She was like thinking I was ex exuberant, but actually I was just feeling led to do that. Feeling led to do that. So I'm not saying to be obnoxious, and there's kind of a trend now to go kind of browbeat people, and I think there's an organic way to have this so cultivated in your life that I think people can see Jesus in your life. Take a big, deep breath. There's hope in you. Jesus comes alive on the inside of us. There's joy and peace in believing. I'm a believer. I have beliefs. I'm not a doubter. God's soul has no pleasure in those who shrink back, but we are not of those who shrink back. How many of you could say, Jesus changed my life? He's a life changer. So, 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be, let's read this out loud. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to what? A living hope. Through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Woo! So here's what I want to, want to close with. That suicidal student in Tennessee got saved by a lady named Hope. His testimony is he got saved by hope. And there's just not enough voicing of 
encouraging hope in the Western Hemisphere right now. So here's our mission. We're to consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. We are called by God to be carriers of something other than sternness, other than just looking. You know, I see people just, they look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. A merry heart makes a cheerful face. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And you know, I'll just tell you as I close, young people respond to this. I've watched our little granddaughter. She reads, she has face recognition software. And she'll study and she'll read and she's discerning, man. They just pick up on it. They know when you're distracted. They know when you're down. She said to her grandma this week, there's a smile on that guy, but he has mad eyes. And so sure enough, we looked at us like, yeah. She picked up on it. It wasn't me, by the way, so quit thinking that. Quit thinking that. Look at somebody next to you and say, you don't have beady eyes. Let's all stand up, you guys. Come on. Listen, we fix our hope on the living God. When we see the terrible indicators that the Bible predicts, Matthew chapter 24, 25, the end times, so forth, we're instructed to lift up our eyes because our redemption draws nigh.